All right, welcome. We're back for more inappropriate Earl in-person interviews. It feels good. Uh, today I have a great guest because he gives you the side of the business behind the curtain, behind the microphone. He's going to tell you how annoying comics can be. We we tried to get Patrick Milligan to join us on a threesome. Uh, wasn't happening. So we've got the co-owner of the best club in New York City. It ain't the cellar. It ain't Broadway. It ain't any of those off-strip clubs. It's the stand. Chris Italia, thank you for joining. Oh, thank you so much. That's that's a wonderful introduction. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm also very saddened that uh, Patrick can be here today. Well, I'm very loyal to the stand because I've only been to New York to do comedy once, and uh, Patrick was brave enough to put me up because he was a fan of my roast battles. I mean, I don't think I don't think brave is the right word. I think we we we've looked forward to it. Oh, I wish I. Uh, I, my goal with comedy right now is to not do it at a loss. So um, I'm hoping to get to New York sooner than later, too. Because uh, you guys treated me so well. Yeah, yeah. And I actually gave him. You always a, appreciate it. Well, not not a lot of people do. It's, yeah. uh, I'm known. Uh, someone said to me the other day, dude, you're like a slightly younger Kevin Brennan. And uh, I love Kevin. Yes, <laughs> Uh, you know, we share mutual hatred of several comics that we bond over. Like his own brother? I it, Well, that's the crazy thing. I get along with Neil. I said, why? Neil's um, I mean, we're not like, we don't go to the movies, sure. but he gives me a fist bump every time. And uh, he probably, uh, he judged uh, my roast battle in, uh, what was it, uh, Clusterfest. Okay. Um, and he got me with the perfect line. He's like, Earl, I didn't even know you did comedy outside of Los Angeles. And I, because I'm, I guess, known as an LA comic, yeah. which I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, and I had no comeback. I'm like, well, you got me there, Neil. So he's not nice to me. <laughs> so it bumps me out that they have that, because I like both. Right. Uh, They're both different styles and like really, really funny. And off stage, you know, Kevin's got his, his, you know, things, you know, but he's, pretty nice to people he's he's very helpful to a lot of young comics too i mean he you know he really does a good job of like trying to nurture people and not be asshole assholes to everybody you know if he thinks you suck you suck so which it's what i like about new york comedy yeah. like uh am i wrong and, and when i was there even for my brief period of time and, and patrick booked me like five satellite clubs i mean i made money that night great which was insane i well that's what you're supposed to do in new york but it was such a novelty to me. He's like, right. yeah, you're going to play our sister club, which was a really long. Yeah, uh, that was a small room in Lyle City. Yeah. But I, like you could touch the wall, the, like the back wall from the stage. We don't have that, don't have that spot anymore. I liked it. Yeah. Out of 25 bucks. <laughs> this is great. Um, so, but, and then Kevin and I, you know, I won't mention the other person we don't really vibe with, but. Uh, I might have worked with him on the show with the word presents in it. But, uh, you know, I appreciate the New York honesty. Right. Like, it, it seemed to me in New York, if you uh, aren't up to snuff in terms of the the comic abilities, you're called out a little more than you are in L.A. Well, you're taking a side for sure at one point. Uh, you know, if the people think you're struggling or not trying hard enough, if you're struggling and you're not trying hard enough, and you're, you're oblivious to it, you're going to be told. 
which I prefer. Right. Um, you know, the not trying hard enough is the biggest part. If, if people notice you're not putting the work in, that's that's the biggest pet peeve of your comics. Which I love because, right. uh, and I don't mean to poo-poo on my own scene, <laughs> but uh, sometimes there'll be an Instagram model or a TikToker, and they, they'll oh, just yeah. get on stage. And, There's plenty of those. And out here, anyway, they won't be called out on. And, and right. the uh, the the braveness of I had someone call me the other day and said, "Hey, can you get me Emily's phone number?" And they're a TikTok star whatever you want to call that uh our tiktok celebrity and i'm like what do you want her phone number for and i knew he's like oh i just want to do a few minutes at the store oh. and it's like oh no it's at work like that and i lied to her i don't have her number like right. i'm sure the stand gets that all the time all the time and it's you know look we there are people we'll do a favor for and get give like a spot on a, like a you know, a small show or something like that. But for the most part, if you're not putting the work in, you know, if we know if we know that you haven't put the work in, then we're not going to book you. Um, and there's, there's definitely people we've rejected over the years. Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> no, I do. I'm a one man army here. I, this is not as you can probably already tell. This ain't the world. I was relieved. Show. I was relieved there was no video element. To this. I wish there was. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, for those of you going, what the hell are they talking about? I was taking a picture of Chris. Right. Well, I wasn't sure what to do. I'm Rogan. I'm Jamie. I'm Red Band. I'm nice. all rolled into one. Um, I really want to go with video because right. I see because that's where everybody's doing it. It's where it's going. Sure. I mean, I do the Comedy Store Wrestling podcast. And yeah, it's great because I walk in. Everything's set for you. And uh, John, who uh, is the Comedy Store, uh, I guess producer. Sure. He does everything. I, I literally sit down, I talk for an hour, and I leave. And on YouTube, it's the way it should be. I mean, I wish I had Red Band's skills or Jamie's skills right. or uh, Tim Dillon. What would you say Red Band is right now? Is he more of a talk show podcast guy, or is he uh, is he a producer? I think he's all of them he's and a comic. Yeah. Like you know, he does. Uh, couple shows a week stand up you know his own because i'm never really sure how to address what he does i mean he's the, i mean we all owe him uh, yeah you know i think without i'm not saying joe wouldn't have made it on his own well he took he took i think what joe started and really took it to the next level yeah he built all around that because there's really no one uh I, I guess jamie would be like the i don't want to say the new red band but like jamie vernon of course who's mm -hmm. joe's guy now uh there was really no one else uh who did what red band uh, right uh to my knowledge uh and it, his sense of timing with the mencia thing i think really elevated uh you know because i think it was him who said hey i better tape this i'm not sure what he said exactly but oh that was him that taped it yeah oh. he was in the back he, you know the back of the comedy store in the uh original room back then it, you know, in in the era of the Rogan Mencia situation, that's where all the comics would sit, hoping to see either someone bomb. If someone was doing good, everyone would kind of walk out. Everybody wants to see bomb. They don't want to see. Oh, yeah. you. They don't want to see you close. Oh, I know. And I'm they like, want to have fun with you. <laughs> oh, but and it's also they they feel better about their own comedy after right. uh, <laughs> you know 
and you know everyone the store is tough like uh because it it's the energy right like when i went to the stand it, i was very, it was very positive like yeah. it was like, it's, everyone's nice it's like this beautiful bar downstairs or upstairs it, this was at the old stand right and it, it was like it got you in a good mood to do comedy like the store is like black so you haven't been to the new one i haven't been to the new one. Oh my god you'd be floored uh, oh i the pictures it's three times the size no i i uh i want to line up stuff to like uh gigs so i right. go okay i can at least not lose money on this trip well you can work definitely work the stand and not lose money and i'm not trying to like we know juice you for a gig right now because we have two rooms going every night so you can go back and forth like i would come for two days right to, you know stay wherever yeah. i mean i i i'm sure i could uh maybe i don't know i have so many friends back there i could make it work so sure. uh this probably sounds like Jesus Christ. We, listen, there's com- comics we love from Los Angeles. We, we know ahead of time you're coming. We try to be very accommodating because we know how hard it is to not lose money coming to New York. Well, especially when you're at my fame level, right. which is virtually no fame. Uh, That's not true. I mean, I, I know my, put it this way, I appreciate that, but I know my uh, place on the totem pole. See, but you're, here's the thing. like Patrick is, Patrick comes from I don't know if you know, like, he started this thing called Cringe Humor back in the day. That's how I knew of him. And so if you were in New York at the time, you would be one of his guys. Right. So he would have brought you along his entire, like, journey. Oh, I... You know, like, from from first club to second club to whatever, you would have been one of his regulars no matter what. Can he manage me? Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. Uh, Well, my favorite comedy memory, I've probably been doing stand-up 22 years. So I have a lot of memories. Right. Uh, was my first night on TV at Roast Battle. I was battling Tom Ballard, who's an awesome dude. Like, I wish everyone were like him. And uh, I felt this energy staring at me. And I look, I, I just, it's weird. Like, it was like Darth Vader or something. And I look up to my right, and upstairs in the balcony is Patrick, in and, Montreal, who I had right? never met. In Montreal. Yeah. Right? Uh, First year road. Yeah. And it was just he looked at me and he just The Force is with you. I'm telling you, it was the scariest because I'd never met him. So I Yeah. He is an admirer of yours. I know. Well, I think because I keep it real. Right. Like I'd be a good New York comic. Yes, you would. And I'm from the standpoint of I think if I don't like you, you know it. Yeah. And I don't like being a an antagonistic comic or right. uh it's not my thing. But if I've been wrong. But if 22 years in, in the business, you should be able to call somebody out. I'm a big believer in respect. It's an art form. You can't you can't fool the art form. And you should be able to say, hey, you owe more to the art form if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm just a really super, almost too loyal person. Like, right. Let's just say in the wackiness, Netflix or whoever says, Earl, we want you to do a special. We want you to do it in New York. We want you to do it at the cellar. I'm like, no, I want to do it at the stand because no. And I'm not trying to like create a beef or whatever. Uh, But, uh, and so with some things in this business, I might not have been treated uh, the best. So I'm at the point where I can say, Hey, I don't like this person. They didn't treat me right. Right. um, Did you have a bad experience with the cellar? Oh no! I've never. Uh, no, 
But I just, you guys, yeah. um, you no, know. we, if you can't, if you're, if we hear you coming, you're, we're still the people that are junkies for comedy. Right. And we get excited that you're coming. Oh, and I, you I, know? like, I, I beg and plead to try and get Ryan Sickler to New York. I, you know, I just don't understand why he's never been there. And I can't, I can't stand that he has. <laughs> I mean, I can't speak for him. I, I yeah. think New York is intimidating because it's no bullshit. I tell him I'm, I'll take care of him. I'll I'll make it easy on him. He's seriously one of my favorite people in the business. I had to follow him the other night in the yeah. main room, and he was killing. Right, like, and I'm so happy now that he's passed the. He yeah, he he definitely is is another like Tom Ballard. Just like why can't everyone be like me? Right. And, and just like we all be happy. Yeah, there'd be no Earl or Kevin Brennan. And he's such a like, he's such a force and positive guy, and like I always said that. I've always said to Patrick that you can pass, you know, he's the booker, so he can pass whoever he wants, but like I put an emphasis on vibe. If you're right. if you're a fucking annoying, conceited asshole, I don't want you around. You know what I mean? I want I want you to be the type of guy who like fucking makes you feel good. You but know? are there comics who are like There are, of course there are, and they're not as at the stand as much as other people are. But what do you think their game plan is? Because I, I mean, I'm just an idiot comic, so like I can't imagine someone calling you and saying, "I want spots." There are guys that are very good, and they've reached a level of fame that we can't ignore. They're good for the club in the sense that they're very good at what they do, but you know they're not the greatest person, you know. And sometimes you have to take. It's almost like uh, you know, I don't know. It's almost like, for lack of a better comparison i don't know why it just popped in my head but like eddie murray they used to play for the mets and the orioles oh, no, first he, base. Was he was an asshole to everybody but he was one of the best first basemen you know, oh, of my generation sure. so you, you can't ignore his talent you can't ignore what he can do for the team but at the same time he's kind of like a dickhead to everybody around him sometimes there's those comics that you just can't you can't ignore their talent but they are kind of a dick well, there's a player on the Kings, not to turn this into a hockey <laughs> podcast, but uh, I, I'm so old. I remember watching his dad play as a rookie, uh, Claude Lemieux's kid. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Lemieux. Right. And you could tell. Yeah, he played for the, he played for the Rangers. Uh, Rangers yeah. And uh, I think the Kings are now his third or fourth team uh, in five years. That's not necessarily a good sign. I, I had, he thought he was excellent with the Rangers. I was, I was actually upset that they let him go. I was happy when we got him because he's, uh, I, you know, I come from the 80s. And it's, a, it's a callback to the instigators of the. Yeah. And yeah. even last night, he was like 6 nothing, And I'm like, it's time to unleash him. Yeah. And sure enough, he did. it's like three seconds left in the game. Kings are losing. Annoying everybody. 6 nothing. Yeah. He does. And the announcer is like, uh oh, watch out. I think when he's going to do a flyby to Mike Smith, the goalie, and he. He skates right at him like he's going to hit him, and then right. he just peels up. It's like that scene in Top Gun where they yeah, do yeah. the. <laughs> I love that stuff. Also, Sean Avery used to do the Marty Bordeaux. Yeah. Just who, annoy the shit out of him. And we were just talking about it off air. That's a guy I'd like to see get yeah. into stand up. Right. But I think you had the right career path or the right uh, strategies to tell stories. Yeah. Because uh, everybody wants to hear those first, even if they don't know who you are. And they don't really follow hockey. The first thing you can you can relate to as a storyteller, because he's he's making you buy in 
to right. what he's saying. And then he's making you laugh along the way, right? If you're not, if you're not a stand-up, that's the best way in to me. If you're like this celebrity or, or somebody in, uh, who's an influencer or something like that, if you have stories to tell, that's your best way in. And then you can start working on the stand-up. Well, that's what uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper did. He was incredible to watch. Like, you know, he would come to the comedy store and he'd, he'd drive up in his American Gigolo uh, <laughs> Richard Gear Mercedes. It was right. the same car. I'm dating myself. And uh, it was like watching Superman pull up. Amazing. And we, you know, like any comic over 40, that that was that the was guy. That was the guy, yeah. That, that was, was the... Uh, it was him and Ric Flair, man. Like, you just couldn't... Yeah. When they when they came on on the on their respective show whatever whatever it was WCW or WWE, you could not watch them. You had to watch. Oh, I mean, uh, and I told him when I first started becoming friendly with him, I was like, I used to hate you, man. And he looked at me and he got sad. He almost welled up. Right. And he's like, Why? I'm like, Because I thought you were a dick, man. Like I really thought you were like that when you did half blackface when you were battling Bad News Brown. I'm like, this guy's an asshole. Uh, and, you know, he, he would do some stand-up, and it, it wasn't the best. Right. But it shouldn't be. But then we'd all start yelling questions from the back. <laughs> of course, I'd be the first one because no one had the – they were scared. And right. I would just like, hey, how big was Mark Henry's dick? And uh, how big were Kamala's dumps? And he would go into a Kamala story. Like, he had he, – <laughs> He was a great storyteller. We get Mick Foley all the time. It's yeah, like, he's got to be if he can remember them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's great. He's still, he's still, he's still, he's not punchy yet. He still has a great memory. <laughs> well, I opened. I don't mean to brag, but I did open up for Jake the Snake Roberts once. Nice. And he was the best storyteller, better than any comic I've ever seen. Wow. And it was. I knew every. Uh, reference like he tells a story about uh, driving with brutus beefcake down the road and a cadillac pulls up next to them and it's beefcake's wife with her trainer and like they were fooling around in the car and it was just he drew you in like uh and it was fascinating to uh and i know dolph ziggler uh, yeah. is uh i've done a few shows with dolph yeah he's, he's likable he is likable and uh you know he's chicks love him so uh i think wasn't he banging amy schumer at one point yeah, I, I'm like, dude, you're successful. You don't have to bang fat comics anymore. Like, and he looked. At, I think he genuinely liked that. No, no, I mean, I'm sure she's yeah. nice. I mean, yeah. I've only met her once. She's nice. Uh, you know, she went to see our uh, was it the roast battle show at the Gramercy Theater. She was not a fan of the show. Like, she was like, you could tell she was like, what's not to like? I mean, back then we were going for it. So, so she wasn't a fan of the viciousness. I mean. Uh, this was uh, twenty, I think, fourteen. I remember that show. It was there? Oh, it was great. It was. Yeah. I remember it was so crowded. It was standing room only in, in a theater. Yeah. Uh, but the show was pretty raunchy back then. Like, which it should be. That's the whole I believe vibe of that. It. Um, but the one thing I do remember about that uh, show is when Gilbert Gottfried, he, he wasn't necessarily judging, but he was up there. Right. And he, he does this really intricate fifteen minute joke. I mean, it wasn't the uh, aristocrats. It was just, it was like Stairway to Heaven. I mean, right. there was. I think I remember that. Yeah. And the autistic kid who is the hype man for roast battle. Right. I think he dropped a glass. 
and Gilbert, without missing a beat, waited and then started the joke over again and did the same version. Like it was another, and it was the fun. You had to be there. I'm not yeah, really selling. I didn't remember it. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, he's just going to skip to the punchline. No. <laughs> no. And this crowd was like, what the fuck is going on here? So, uh, yeah, but Amy, I don't think liked that particular version of the show because we, we probably crossed the line on some jokes, uh, myself included, uh, which is what made Ro Roast Battle such a fun show for me in the beginning. I mean, look, you even if you don't laugh, you can appreciate that you're crossing the line. The show allows you to cross the line. And the show allows no limit. There's no limitations. Not and back then. And you're aware of it going in. So if you're aware of it going in, then I'm okay with it. Even if I'm not on board with what's going to happen, you know, I'm okay with like, hey, as long as you know what's going to, what's what could happen to you, then hey, that, that's that's fine. But on a night to night basis, sometimes I had I had trouble with it myself. I mean it. You know, in at least the L.A. show, uh, you know, we we had some pretty wacky rules at times. Right. Uh, you know, like if in very early days of the show, if um, two white comics were battling, each one could say the N word, uh, which was crazy because there's a black host. They were allowed to. Yes. Okay, they were allowed to. Uh, in the in the they got uh, the unpass for the night. Yeah, and okay. uh, believe me, that rule was uh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean that's you know. So and this is the crazy part too. Is like you tend to think of LA as the more progressive city, yeah. whereas whereas there are definitely white guys, white comics in New York that use the N word liberally. That's also because they're comfortable because of who their circle is, other black right. comics and everything like that. But I am always surprised how how LA just uses the word more than I ever see it in New York. Well, I think it, is it because of shock value, or is it? Um, I think because at that time of the show, it, it was nowhere near industry coming to see right. it. It was literally uh, completely oversold. Was, and, it, was the racist table the first sacrifice for the industry? Uh, yes, it was. But <laughs> but I fought for it from yeah. the standpoint. Uh, I mean, it worked out because then I had to battle. Right. I think Comedy Central was like, "Hey, we love that guy in the corner." But uh, we have a thing called sponsors, and that's not going to fly. What if they had called you something else? The, the house heckler, the house uh, hater. Uh, Class clown, what the hell do you want to call them? <laughs> well, because I think it was a good um, pressure relief valve for if, if a battle wasn't going well. And, and a lot of battles did not go well on TV. Right. Like, especially in season three. Uh, I mean... There's been pro wrestling cards that had more realism than the season three battles. But uh, so the heckler table was like, say a stupid line, get the room going again, you know, because me and Moses had good chemistry. Right. And then, uh, you know, they were just like, yeah, we, we, we can't have that on TV. I'm like, you can. But uh, and then they asked me if I could battle. I'm like, I don't know. I've never, it's not really my style of humor, but. I wanted to stay on the show, so I'm like, "Who do you want me to battle?" And you know, I was like, "Unfortunately, I I, I beat people I probably shouldn't have beaten, <laughs> caused some disturbances in the oh force." <laughs> but you know, we tried to replicate your role with Microsoft. Oh, and he's great, stamp, but he couldn't do it. Well, he just I says like, "I'm not comfortable doing it," which is probably my problem that I got too comfortable. Uh, <laughs> 
I think, and I had, you know, it got so popular in the LA show that that role that I had like a list comics going, "Hey, can we sit at your table and, and do it too?" I'm like, it's, it's not that easy, like, because it's timing, it's, right? It's all time. Um, you know, like uh, we, we would have a trans comic come out and, and a tr Robin Tran, who I'm very good friends with, and you know, I think that she, I could tell she was nervous, so I was like, "Hey, come on." She's a good dude. Give her a break. And <laughs> she came up to me afterwards and said, thank you. And I'm like, thank you for saying that. She's like, it made me feel comfortable. Right. Um, so Because in the other day, every, anybody who's in a category doesn't want to really be in a category. They want to be yeah, just amongst everybody else. One of the uh, the guys or girls. Right. Like, you know, we had a battler with HIV. Yeah. And you could tell that this guy had been made fun of and given shit probably the last five years sure. unfortunately and for those 10 minutes he was battling and he felt like everything was right brutal jokes said yeah. to him. like <laughs> i'm not even gonna repeat them you could tell he was almost crying he was yeah. so happy so uh you know and then you know that's the problem with, with uh people like these special interest groups and social justice warriors they don't when they come after comedy they don't realize that the people that they're trying to defend or the liberties they're trying to defend of these of transgender or whatever. If you talk to those people within the community, they don't feel that way at all. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want someone not to be able to say something because they want to say everything they want to say as, as well. So it's really strange that cancel culture is trying to get rid of, you know, those, those uh, opinions and, those jokes and all that stuff, and but the people within the community, the transgender, they don't care. They really don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, in a in a weird way, we're helping open the doors. At least, you know, that's how I looked at it. You know, I mean, that's how I got in an all black cartoon. Right. Tyler, the creator, was in the room, and I'm making fun of him. I mean, I felt so bad about the things I was saying to him, not knowing who he was at the time, right. which I think he liked. You know, Harry's the biggest rapper in the world at the time. Or who is it? Uh, his name's Tyler the Creator. Oh, Tyler. Creator. And uh, you know, like that's his cart. That's yep. the cartoon. And uh, I came up to him after the show because I saw him talking with Gerard Carmichael. I'm like, oh, he's into Gerard. Maybe I should apologize. <laughs> and I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry. And I, I kind of blamed Moses. I'm like, Moses told me to say all that stuff. <laughs> and, like I'm in my 40s. I don't think Moses forced me to say anything at the time. I said, oh, you're my favorite part, man. I want you to be the dad of my cartoon and do, wow. do just that kind of humor. I'm like, really? That's awesome. And he's like, yeah, you might. And I won't say the word he used, but you can guess. All right. And I'm like, hey, can I call you that? And he's like, not if you want to do the cartoon. <laughs> uh, so it was really a freeing show. And then I think once it got to TV, it, it changed. Like, you know, it just became a little more corporate and like, hey, sure, we need celebrities, right. we need Ralphie May, and I love Ralphie. Yeah, yeah. Like he's the best. But you know, he probably shouldn't have been battling. And, um, I agree. Like I don't know why they went that route. I thought the fun of it was there was the level of comedians right. that like, you know, weren't worried about their next gig or right. whatever else they're doing. It's just no holds barred. Yeah, and, and like, you know, Ralphie had already had a battle against Sarah Tiana. Right. Like a practice battle in the ballet room, and it wasn't like it was. It was pretty bad. Right. Um. So they. Well, then you like kind of wonder like, what did Ralphie really have to gain 
Nothing. Doing it. He, should, he should have said no. Well, it's like, what did Jimmy Carr have to gain? Like, well, he likes it. Oh, he he was an animal. Yeah. He, he wouldn't leave me alone the whole day. Like, I would be in, in the bathroom and I'd turn around. Jimmy's right there. I'd, I'd be at a Starbucks. Just intimidating. Trying to get on you. I don't know. And he's very intimidating to me. <laughs> yes. Because yes. he's got that. It's not necessarily that dead eye stare. Right. Like, I remember once in the ballet room. I was just doing a set and it's going really well. Crowd's digging it. And I just looked at, once again, it was like that Milligan presence. I was like, I just, there's something in this room right now. I can't take it. And I look over and Jimmy's just staring at me, but he's so nice. He, he gave me a tag and like, yeah. if Jimmy Carr gives me a tag, I'm going to take it. Of course. He, yeah. He clearly uh, knows what he's doing and it worked. He's like, Hey, why don't you, do that line this way and i guarantee you like people think we hate each other no no uh, that's what i'm saying like those are the types he's one of those guys that is a big name he's done for a long time and the fact that he's the fact that he wants to help you out yeah you know those are the types of people we always look for at the stand like trying to get those people in because i want that i want i want the the, the next level comic to help out the smaller comic because you know, there's this like, hey, I see something in you. Let me help you out. Oh no, I, I have so much respect for him and and how nice he is. Yeah. And, um, we were talking about Oasis yesterday for about an hour. Yeah, I tell you, <laughs> I would love to talk about Oasis yeah. with Jimmy Carr, and like, and he keeps it real. Like I talked about some problems I may have with some people in the business, and yeah. and he was just so blunt in his assessment of everything. Yeah, he's like, I was, wow. Jesus. Why can't everyone? I'm be- sure he's also seen it all too. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm not sure uh, what the UK comedy scene is like for, uh, like when he started. I'll assume it's pretty right. competitive. Yeah, it's pretty competitive. West. From what I've heard, it's very competitive. Um, and you know, I'm when I was battling him, I got a lot of UK comics giving me jokes. I'm like, I don't even know you. They're like, Oh well, <laughs> I don't like Jimmy, so I hope you kill him. I'm like, I. I I don't want to kill him. You know, I just want to, I don't want to get blown out of the water by him. So what do you got? (laughs) Um, So at the stand now, you have something that you're excited about um, because comics always, uh, you know, we talked about putting this podcast on YouTube because it's, it's where people are. Sure. But content is where it's at. You turn it, you, you work your entire career to establish some sort of fan base. If it's if it's a hundred or you know a hundred thousand, it's still a fan base you need to feed, right? So everyone's trying to put their stuff out so they can keep feeding it. And most people go towards YouTube. Uh, you know, they, they'll either uh, film it directly to YouTube. They'll do a Skype uh, podcast or a Zoom, right? And and upload it to YouTube. What are you guys working on that I think is going to be the next? So essentially what happened was, you know, like the day the announcement was made that Comedy Central was pretty much a dead network. It would just live on. With, Gee, I don't know. Uh, with millions why. of episodes of Seinfeld and uh, and I don't even know what else they, they put South Park. Thank God South Park is in the Still house. there, but they don't rerun it. Like they'll really run. They'll rerun Always Sunny way more than they'll rerun South Park. They'll rerun Seinfeld way more than the original programming. What they did was they sold most of their programming 
to other networks. Like, like to Paramount Plus. Like Paramount Plus or HBO Max. So that's really where they're funneling all their stuff because they're getting paid more on it than if they aired it on their own network, which is hard to freaking comprehend. But it just means that they didn't want to go out and waste the resources on trying to bring in ad dollars. On original. So instead, they're just distributing their original content to other places. So that other, so someone else's problem is getting advertisers or finding the money for it. That's basically what it is. I mean, that network is, you know, I think probably the biggest thing I got out of doing Roast Battle was how a network takes a show. Yeah. No, it was like really, uh, you couldn't get that kind of education, not to talk too much about Roast Battle, but just, you know, I, I saw how they took a show that they obviously loved the wildness and the and the wackiness and then little by little they took out the best parts this is chipper man yeah and I, I was like why don't you guys just put the show on the air and i realized you can't have some things on and right. you know you do have sponsors or you tweak but like you know I, it was i see why the network is in the position it's in right so so for me i grew up you know i'd come home from school I'd turn on television and it'd either be Sports Center or Comedy Central. That's that's the way I grew up. I mean, I, I couldn't stop watching stand up specials or the half hours or premium blend, whatever the hell was on in the afternoons when I would get on. I just needed that in my life. I just needed that in the background. I needed to watch it. I, I would absorb any new special that would come on. So to not have that, to, for it to not exist in this world to me is very strange. So I said, why isn't there room for a place where you can 24-7 schedule comedy specials and, you know, have original, new original specials come in or uh, distribute people's, you know, licensed specials or whatever. And that's what we did. So there's this thing called Fast Channels. And I don't know, what kind of TV? Is that a Samsung? I'm old as fuck. So I, yes, it is, but it's not necessarily the most smart up-to-date TV. smart TV. So Samsung has a, has a platform called TV Plus. And on that, on that platform, you'll just see a guide of, of TV uh, channels. And we're going to be one of those channels. And no, that exists on Vizio Televisions, on Roku Channel, on Pluto TV, and Plex, and so on and so forth. There's like probably 30 to 40 platforms right now that have millions of viewers. And it's, it's AdVod-based. Basically, it's all ad-supported. And people make money off of it. But comedians don't realize that there's another way to distribute their stuff. So when they go to YouTube, because they feel like, hey, I'm going to just put my stuff out on YouTube. Hopefully new people discover it. Hopefully it feeds my fan base. And hopefully I can make some money off of the views. And I'll be able to, you know, kind of book weekend work or whatever it is they want to do with it. But what happens is it's kind of, it kind of reaches a height. Uh, for example, I'll take somebody like uh, uh, recently Shane Gillis did did about four million views right on YouTube. Now he doesn't necessarily have a huge subscription base. He has maybe a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand subscribers. There's going to be a limit to how much money he can make off that special. But really, what he's trying to do most of all is like I just want to feed my fan base. So now that you've given your fan base the free special. What's what's next for that special? What's the next life for it? 
And really the next life for it should be distribution. It should go out to all these other places that will get that will discover your special. So let's say I'm just an average fan. I don't know who Shane Gillis is, which is, you know, hard to imagine, but let's say you don't know who Shane is. And now you're watching this channel that, you know, professes to have the latest comedy specials. And all of a sudden Shane comes up and you're like, Oh shit. I never saw this guy. I can't wait to, you know, see him. I've discovered him on here. And essentially that's what was comedy central was. It was a place where you would discover people. And I want to be that. I want to be that. And at the same time, provide comedians with another source of revenue based on residuals and the money they would make per view per ad spent on their special. And it's like a check you get every month and you don't even think about, you know what I mean? Whereas over time, your special can make hundreds of thousands of dollars versus not making anything at all. And that's what wits is about. The, the channel we're calling it wits W I T Z. What is that? Uh, does it have a significance? It actually does. Like and my, my former partner passed away uh, a few years ago. He, you know, he was a comedy junkie like us too. And last name was Kimowitz. So we just took the last four letters right. of his name and call it wits. Wits means in a lot of Scandinavian countries, it means laughing or, right. or, you know, in Germany, it actually means to laugh. But um, for, for us, it was just, you know, no brainer. We wanted, we wanted something associated with him. That's why we call it wits. Uh, but that's the idea. The idea is like, we want comedians to have options, man. Because outside of Netflix, YouTube, and HBO, there's really nowhere else to go. No, I mean, it's, uh, I think that's why a lot of people applauded Shane. Uh, for, and I think Luis Gomez, sure. uh, he did something similar. Uh, yeah. He released this special. Andrew Schultz did it on, a lot of comedians are doing it now. It's not like they're not, they're all, they're all doing it. But it's like, you should be aware of the other options as well. No one's telling you not to do YouTube, go for it. But after like a month or so, find distribution for it. Make sure that if there's no one left that's not watching it. And make sure that you're trying to get make as much money off of that as possible. Do you think uh, specials today, I, they don't seem very special to me. Like, they don't. But how do, you ma- how do we get back to like the Comedy Central days where like, that's how Dane Cook blew up and right. Bobby Lee. Uh, I mean, I know Bobby was on like Mad TV, but like his first couple things on comedy central oh who is this guy so when we launch in uh mid-june you know we have original specials that we've already filmed and we're gonna treat those specials just like they would if they were on comedy central give them the play that they deserve give them the attention you know do a big marketing push for them and you know put all the dollars into publicity as you would any other thing that you would make originally so if you do an original with us, we'll definitely invest that money into making it feel like it's this thing that, you know, you sold to somebody you worked really hard for and sold to. I'm talking about the other aspect of if you have something you put on YouTube and you want other stuff, we'll distribute it for you. Right. And so that's that's that. But if you come to us and say, hey, I'd love to do an original with you, and then you show us your special and we love it, we'll buy it just like like Comedy Central would in the past and make it into the thing. So we want to be a buyer. We want to be an active buyer in comedy. 
And um, would you do specials at the stand? At yeah, the... for sure. We filmed two stand. Which ones? Can you say? So we we have a we have a, a special we did with uh, this Canadian comic tricks that we really love. Oh, okay, he's got a huge following up there, and we're trying to kind of introduce him into uh, into New York. And then we did another series of young comics where we we filmed them at the stand, and we're gonna like say these are our new guys, right? Basically. Like the next generation. Uh, I was calling. Like, I called it. We had a name for it, and then fucking Netflix took it. So. Oh, what was? We were gonna call it introducing, and then Netflix announced two weeks ago that their new faces category is gonna be called introducing. Oh, so. lovely. <laughs> so now we have to come up with a new name. Maybe Netflix has a mole at the yeah, stand. Yeah. So we have other li- other specials lined up for the rest of the year at the stand once the channel launches. But we also want the comedian to feel comfortable. If we're doing an original with you and like you really have your heart set on doing a theater or a venue of your choosing, something you always had your heart set on, I'm not gonna say no to that. I wanna I want you to feel like it's special. I want you I want you to say this is where I want you to do it, where I want to do it, and I wanna make that come to life, you know? Some people wouldn't mind doing it at the stand. But if like uh for example, like we're talking to somebody right now. Well, I deem was like an A-list guy and he wants to do, we're working on like a three special deal with him and he wants like the first one to be in an intimate space, the second one to be in a theater and then the third one to be like in this unpragmatic place that just, you would never expect a special to be. So that's exciting to me. Like, you know, I'm going to be able to do everything with this person. I'm going to have him in the intimate stand space. Right. I'm going to have him in a big theater show. And then I'll have him do something fun, you know, wherever it might be. No, I like the offbeat uh, yeah, place yeah. for a special. Uh, like Comedy Central approached me after Roast Battle. And they're like, we like your style. Do you have an idea for a special? I'm like, yeah, there's a gay porn theater. And I'm being completely serious. <laughs> See, that's funny to me. It, it used to be a pussycat theater, which, which back in the 70s and right. 80s, they would do red carpet premieres. Sure, of course. I mean, this is when porn was gigantic. Yes. And back it, when it was on film. Not yeah, film. it's like Boogie Nights. It's all right. digital now. Um, but they have the, their big theater room. It has a, a like a catwalk right down the middle. It, Where is it? Santa Monica and Gardner. We can go there after. Uh, but it, it's probably the big room seats two or 300 people. And I... And I just thought this would be the funniest thing. You could do it like a phony red carpet, you know, into the long hallway. And the place stinks of bleach. I went there once to scout it for a special. <clears throat> and uh, the guy looked at me in Montreal. He's like, yeah, I don't think our fans are into that. <laughs> See, I don't want to be the place where that's that's okay. I want I don't want there to be limitations. I want to be the place where we say, yeah, let your idea fly. And if, yeah. we, if we can match your vision, if we can make your vision happen, then yeah, let's do it. Cause I mean, I, and I do this joke on stage a lot at the comedy store, uh, you know, when I'm going on last and asked to do an hour, you know, cause they still want people buying drinks and, and you know, to hang. Uh, and sometimes as soon as my, you know, like Ian Edwards brought me up the other night and it was a long show and like maybe 12, 15 people got up and left. It had nothing to do with me. Ian was killing. And I, I say, uh, you know, I'd love for my special to start out this way. I'm called to the stage, and 12 people just get up and leave. And, you know, 
I would love to do a special late night, whether it be at the stand or the comedy store, where it's literally close to two in the morning, the crowd's exhausted, and then we start filming. Just because I, you know, all specials look the same to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I've come from the offbeat thing. I, my favorite comedy special of all time was the day the laughter died with the dice. Oh my! To me, to be at the height of your career doing arenas. And then just deciding to drop in unannounced, no material, into this rinky dink club in Manhattan. That is the most exciting thing I ever heard. Yeah. I mean, sure. I'd love to be in a, a, a pack, you know, like Rogan sells right. out everywhere he goes. Sure. Who wouldn't want that? Right. And, uh, but it took a lot of balls for Dice to do something like that, I thought. And you don't really, I don't, well, first of all, I didn't get it until halfway into the, Halfway into the hour. <laughs> but but when I did get it, everything just became so amazing to me. And I go, I think this is what I want to do with my career. Like, I want to be involved in this somehow. Because the fact that I, I got the secret, and it's really what he was doing. He was just like, I'm going to plant this out there. No one's going to get it. Some people will. And the people that do... They're going to appreciate me even more. And it wasn't until I met him years later. We were one night, we're hanging out at the stand, and uh, we basically were the last two people there. And uh, for some reason, he looks around just to see if anyone's looking at, the, looking at us or talking about us or whatever. And he leans in and he goes, It's all a goof. The whole thing. It was all a goof. And I said, Yeah, I know. And I, I'm, I'm happy as shit that I got it, that I understood right. that it was all a goof, and that his character is a fucking goof. It's amazing to me, like, that I can fulfill that part of my childhood. All these years later, I get to meet him, and I get to tell him, hey, I know the secret about that special, and I get it, and I love it even more now. And he was so happy that that was the first thing I told him when I met him, because it's like, you know, he doesn't get that a lot, you know? And so from what I'm saying to you is like, if you think that shooting your special in a gay porn theater is going to make it funnier, we're going to make you funnier, we're going to make you feel more comfortable doing it, then fuck it. You know, like that's the, what it should be. Why should I tell you otherwise? Why should I tell you, no, 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 no. Let's do it at the store or let's, you're a big part of the store, so let's do it at the store or let's do it at, you know, some other, no. You want to do it in a gay porn theater. Let's figure it out. You know I, what I mean? I mean, I would love to do it at the store under that, you know, premise of uh, it's late night. We're going to start rolling sure. the cameras. We're going to have a regular show. But they might not get that. At the store might. Because uh, I know like Brody. The store will, but I'm talking about like a network. A network. Right. I mean. So, that... well, why would we want people not laughing? Or why would we want people exhausted? Because why the fuck not? Let's try this. Because I get, here's what I want. And this is like my Gene Simmons yeah. marketing thing. Is I've been in a room where people are they're perusing Netflix specials or uh, HBO specials, you know, certainly a lot on there, and they all look the same. So they watch yeah. for a minute or two, and they they lose interest. But I guarantee you, if you know Milligan is up late one night watching yeah. TV, and oh, let me check the current specials. Oh, there's a tell. There's you know Rogan. Wait, I think that's Skaple, and 
why are there only six people in the room? Like, and I'd get a text at three thirty in the morning. Did you pay Did for you this see shit? This? <laughs> but that's what I want. Exactly. Like, I want those phones. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Now, maybe a network's like, uh, we want advertisers. We don't want like you, your friends texting each other late. I, I get like some of the resistance to that right. idea, but but that's what I'm saying. I feel like we could be that. I feel right. like our launching this network, launching this channel, we could be that for comedy, which is something that we've always kind of vision as like some type of fantasy, but it's here. It's possible to do. So why not do it? Let's just fucking give it a shot. I mean, look, the whole idea of starting a network, I mean, it's, it's just insane. Like what? You're starting a network. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? You know, that seems like a lot of wasted money and a lot of time. I view this as like a three to five year project before I can actually decide whether or not it's a loss or not. You know what right. I mean? I just want to experiment with the next level of stand up. I I came from a place where, you know, I we would do shows. We would, Patrick and I would produce shows in bars and clubs and theaters and whatever. And we were never really comfortable in the places that we were doing shows in. And when we built the stand, it was like, well, why can't a club feel like comfortable and a little more upscale, a little more giving in what they in their offerings and a little more or less of like you feel like you're getting taken and that's not a that's not me demeaning other clubs but i feel like when we built the stand everybody else up their game you know what i mean yeah everybody wanted to do better but it's like pro wrestling pro wrestling right. is all and I know Milligan's a big fan. Yeah, I feel like we're doing. I feel like we're doing this show just for Patrick. And that's a Patrick Milligan tribute. <laughs> One person listens to this. I want it to be him. But like wrestling is always better when there's competition. Like yeah. you know, so WWE right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I've well, noticed it's getting better because AEW the lead, right? is saying, "Hey, we're going to be on your heels." Right. Um, and and I do think the stand has made other New York clubs and other store too cognizant and then i know that other stores other shows shows other clubs around the country or were aware of the stand and what we were trying to do and kind of mimicked some of the things that we were experimenting with like no drink minimums and stuff like that and so i was happy to see it and so we took that we made it work we did it in a small sample size then we went to a bigger space we did it in a bigger sample size and so we want to adapt what we did in a physical space to the digital space, right? So let's start this network. Let's experiment with these specials. Let's experiment with, you know, unscripted TV and some scripted ideas. And then let's build an app that kind of encompasses all of it and like all this content will be available on it. And at the, while we're doing it, while we're experimenting, everybody involved is making money. Like the other thing, the other level of, of what we're doing with the network, and I'm I should have spoke to this earlier. The network is split up into three. It's uh, it's our company. It's our distributor who gets us into all the platforms. And the third is an, is an equity pool for comedians. Anybody who has a project on the network at the time all gets equity into the company. The, the profits that come out, they get a third of that profit pool. So they're getting paid as a partner. It's an incentive for them to want to be on the network. Because the more they promote the network, the right. more popular the network gets, and the more, the more 
the more the equity pool builds. And they get not just their residuals, they get an actual profit share of the company. And that's, to me, it's like the fairest thing you can do. It's almost like how baseball unions and you know sports unions are set up where they get a piece of the profits, right? Whether it's a 50-50 split or a 60-40 split, they're getting a piece of it. If they're helping, if their specials are helping you with visibility, if their work is helping the network of visibility, they should have a piece of the network. They should have a piece of the profits because they're helping you build something from scratch. So that's what we're doing. We're we're giving that back. And it's not about and I know people like look at us like, man, what are you talking about? Like, why would you do that? You know, because they just people have a hard time believing that we're not doing this for the money. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. But like they it's almost like they look at it as a negative, like they think we're bullshitting them. It's like I'm not bullshitting you. This is we're setting this up. You're not gonna make millions off the bat. We're right. trying to get we're trying to make everybody money. We're trying to split the money up so that people can survive and eat and have a roof over their head and can make a living in stand-up in multiple ways, whether it's providing TV content and which essentially helps them go on the road or whatever. We want people to experience everything that they should experience in becoming a comedian. Like, like it shouldn't just be like what happens with, you know, Netflix, like how many fucking million dollar deals can they give out a year? It's not possible. It's not feasible. There's, there's a dozen comics that make that money. You know what I mean? You're not going to be Chris. Not everybody's going to be Chris Rock. You know, not everybody's going to be Chappelle getting $20, 20 million per special. 20 bucks. That's yes. my right. <laughs> but if you can make a couple hundred dollars, like if you release a special, if you release a special in 2022, in the next two years, if I tell you that you can make $300,000 off that special. I'm down. Is it worth it to you? Like the, the answer should be yes, because where else are you going to get that? Nowhere else is no one's offering that right now. But I think your guys' reputation is so good. Uh, you know, the stand, you, Milligan, uh, of being non-bullshitters. I, I don't think many comics would think. I, I, I'm telling you, comics, like, they take a step back. Well, look, essentially, it's the, it's the managers and the agents, right? They look at that and they go, what are you talking about? No money up front, so I'm just going to give you this thing for free. You're going to distribute it. And how do I know? It's like, how do I know? Because it's all there. You, you'll see the records. You'll, you'll be part of it. You'll, you'll have our statements. You know what I mean? Right. Like our advertising statements, what, what people bring in, what each special does numbers-wise. Yeah, that has to be shareable information. You can't not reveal what it is. A lot of distribution companies, what they do is they take your special. They don't tell you what they're going to do with it. They just make you sign on a dotted line. And then every quarter when they say you're going to get a check, they send you, a, they send you an invoice. And they go, this is how it worked out. You made five grand this quarter, but because of marketing, because of this, because of that, we could only cut you a check for $300. Oh, cool. Which is ridiculous. It's like, what marketing? I haven't seen any billboards anywhere for my fucking three-year-old comedy special. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It's insane. And look, I have, I have, I have the, I've, I'm on both sides of the business, right? I'm a buyer and I'm a seller, right? So, and I'm a manager of some talent and I've seen these deals and they're fucking awful. They're the one-sided deals. And the way we're set up, it's a slow crawl. It's not, 
You're not going to win the race, you know, in just six months. It's a fucking two to three year thing. If you give us your special, we promise you you'll make profit. We promise you you'll make money over time. If you're looking for that one shot $15,000 check right up front, fine, go take that deal, but then you'll never see another dollar. There's companies out, out there that I won't talk about. Comedy Dynamics. I won't talk about uh, that'll give you that check, right? They'll give you that that check up front, and you'll never see another dollar again. It sounds like a show I used to work on. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Uh, and we don't want to do that. We want we want to build the comedians. Just, I mean, I will say, just like we built the stand with comedians, we want to build everything we've ever done: cringe humor to management and production to you know physical space. We've always incorporated comics as much as possible we wanted to know what they thought we wanted to take care of them we feel like we have every step of the way we feel like we've been partners and now here's our chance of really giving back making them part of something great and then look at the day comes where you get the netflix deal where you get the hbo deal fucking great by all means you don't owe us anything you know you were there you helped you worked with us you helped us out we helped you out now you're getting to the next level good for you but they do owe you loyalty. <laughs> and I'm serious, man. Sure, of course. But then there's always it's other wrong. ways to collaborate on things. It's the wrong business. Yeah. Loyalty. <laughs> well, I mean, I could go on for hours talking yeah. about this, but I know you're a man on the go. Yeah. I did want. So can how do people, uh, do you guys have a, an Instagram page? Or yeah. A, so right now the website's witscomedy.tv. Uh, and, and I think it's witscomedy uh what's comedy tv on instagram okay what's comedy on twitter uh follow those things and you know uh you can dm me directly for more information if you want but it'll be we'll do a big launch follow the stand uh socials too and you'll see a big launch coming in june and uh you comics listening right now don't use my name to get in with chris because i'm gonna dm him Two minutes after he leaves. We gotta get to New York first. I know. You gotta see my comedy first. <laughs> um real not real fast, but like uh, obviously a big event uh this week happened uh, yeah. when Dave Chappelle was attacked. Uh and ironically you were on uh Inside Edition <laughs> a few weeks, a couple weeks ago. ago when, uh, um, when the other incident. Yeah. What was the other incident? I'm trying to complete the Will Smith. The Will right, Smith I'm right. Sure. I was thinking uh when Will Smith uh and I, I, it's interesting to me now. I think a lot of comics are puffing their chest out, and both and say, "Well, I would have kicked his ass." And you know, you don't really like. I, I put myself in Chappelle's position. You, you kind of see this guy coming. You, you know what it's gonna, what it would look like if you kick the shit out of somebody on live television or in front of all these people with social, with phones filming it. It would, you would look worse if you did. But, you know, oh, if I did, but, like, Chappelle's crew got in, uh, it was like watching a line brawl in hockey. Well, this was... Oh, I mean, Do you have any insight into what I went was down? There, I was there. Oh, okay, okay, so... So I was there, and uh, basically the guy climbs up the stage. Like, the corner of my eye, I see this object fucking moving up the stage, and then finally getting on the stage, and then I don't think he realized, you know, like, when they put that material on the stage, it makes the stage very shiny and yeah yeah like i don't think this guy realized he did seem like he was ice skating so as he was trying to run and gain momentum he was falling 
and he fell right into uh, Dave's like, I guess knees or legs area that took Dave down. Then he got up, started running around. Uh, Smart ran, move. Ran behind the screen, uh, the, the the drop screen, and then some guy tackled him. And Jamie Foxx, of all people, who had climbed up the stage as well, was the next guy to get to this guy and landed on him, took his arm, pulled it behind him, and broke it. I mean, I watched this Jamie Foxx snap this guy's arm. I mean, you could see, that obviously, the very famous picture now. It's at an angle. The, that guy, the guy got demolished, yeah. And, like, you know, that's... You can you can take the Will Smith thing and go, okay, that's best case scenario. Right. He just gets banned from 10 years. And then there's this guy who not only will go to jail, but also just was brutally beaten and assaulted for doing what he did. And that's the that's what's more often than not, that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna get your ass kicked. And I think it's great. Yeah, like not by uh, comedians, by the way, by everybody else. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've never really been attacked on stage. I mean, I'm not too antagonistic toward the crowd. But, you know, there was one night at the store, a, a drunk guy came relatively close to the stage. And I play hockey, so my move was, <laughs> I'm a tough guy. I've seen Karate Kid. But my move, just my <coughs> hockey instinct was, I, I was waiting to see his intention, but I grabbed the mic stand. And I was getting ready Did to spear him. No, I, yeah, I mean, because I, I'm, I believe me, I've, I've done some damage with a hockey stick before, but you know, and it calmed down and he, he was just drunk, but like, you don't know the person's intention. Like that guy could have had a, right. He had a fake right. gun, I guess. Well, he had a prop gun on him, the guy. And, and, but uh, with a knife attached, right. which right. looked, I don't know if it was a real knife. I don't know if the knife was real, but the gun was a prop, definitely a prop. Gun. Um, so that's the hard thing. I think for the performer, uh, you know, I'm sure Chappelle, you can tell he was a, he was a little like, he saw him at the last second, I think. Right. It's like, what do you do? Do you just take the hit? You brace or brace you, for it? Do you brace try and it. land a, a CM? Try punk? to move and brace for impact, basically. Well, I mean, I've dealt with Chappelle's uh, bodyguards before. Yeah. Uh, so have I. <laughs> I mean, I, I was about to go on stage uh, maybe two, three weeks, maybe three weeks ago at the store, uh, closing out the main room. Chappelle comes in. He's like, hey, Earl, can I do some time? Like, I'm going to say no. That's <laughs> oh, Dave, I don't know. I, I had a new rat joke I wanted to get out. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, go ahead. So uh, I start walking to my car because he, he's known to do at least an hour, two hours, two hours yeah. and he's yeah. the best. So he only did 10 minutes. So the manager is chasing me. He goes, don't leave, don't leave. He's getting on stage right now. You got to get back there. You got to get back there. We don't want the crowd to leave. We got a lot of drink tickets left open. So I'm running back there in that hallway behind the main room. Uh, and his bodyguard turned around. I think he thought I was a fan or something. And I'm like, I'm the next comic. I swear, the next, I swear to God, I'm the next comic. And I pat him on the shoulder, which was like touching a boulder. Right. And he let me through. And he was very nice. And and but uh, his main guy is this guy Travis. I think he's just a giant of a man. He's a large man. Yes. Um, <laughs> and like I said, touching his right shoulder was like it was. It was like a, a rock. And, right. uh, so I can only imagine on the pylon how many shots Travis got in. Because you could definitely tell. Like, Travis definitely got to the guy. Yeah, sure. I'll assume Travis hit him in the right yeah. eye socket area because that's a broken orbital yeah, bone. Yeah, for sure. And good. I, I wish more stuff would happen like that so 
people have a a a, a concern. Oh, I might get fucked up. Right. Which they should, right? What I've noticed recently, or I would say since the pandemic, since we started coming back from pandemic, I've noticed more people from the audience challenging comedians. They feel like they can stand up, disrupt right. the show, yell at them, or question them. We had this incident where there was this guy uh, who didn't like a joke. I think it was a homophobic joke from a comedian or whatever. And, well, he deemed homophobic. And so he starts, he launches into a full-on conversation with the person he was there with while the show's going on. And so, like, the comic acknowledges, goes, hey, what are you doing? My, my act, and they're continuing to ignore him. Right. It's like, just get up and leave, man. If you don't feel good about what you saw, just get up and leave. Like, we'll refund you the money. Just get up and go. So our manager goes over to them. They go, oh, okay, we'll be quiet. We'll be quiet. Manager leaves. They start talking again. So the comic takes it upon himself to like grab the guy, like you know, just like, hey, like he like tapped for his attention. Because I'm not finished. I'm gonna tell my story. Oh, unless you want to talk to me about something that hurt you. And the guy just like started yelling at him. And you know, the show's over, he comes out, and the guy and the comic get into it. And because like like their bodies touched or whatever. He yells assault and he calls the cops. And it's like this comic did nothing other than approach the guy after the show. Now all of a sudden you have to deal with cops. So it's like I, I start to feel like people come to shows just so they can be either part of it, but also be able to say, hey, I'm going to stop. You know, I'm going to stop this one. You know, eat one joke at a time. I feel like I can disrupt comedy right. and just say, hey, that's wrong. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. And it's like, that's not what you're there for. You're there to be entertained. And if you're not entertained, you leave. That's the way it works. Like, you don't get a choice in the type of fucking television you're watching. You know, and I, I, I mean, when, it, when you go to a movie theater, you don't get a choice to change the channel. Right. You leave because <laughs> the movie sucks or whatever. Stay home, watch TV, and you can change all you want. That's what TVs are for. But these guys, they really just think they can do this. And so ever since Will Smith, we had at least maybe, we were averaging maybe two or three of these a week. Really? Yeah, it's getting insane. And so now with this, I feel like it's just going to keep getting worse. And I don't think really, I really don't think Will Smith understood what the fuck he was doing. I mean, he must have just lost his mind in that moment because to have approached another person in entertainment and smacked them, knowing he's been around comics most of his career. He knows what the fuck is up. He knows how hard that fucking job is to go up and be the intermediary and, like, keep the show moving and all that stuff, and you have to find two or three fucking jokes, whether they're good or they suck, just to keep moving. He knows what that's like. He's been that guy. So to fucking do that to him is so disrespectful in so many ways. Forget the personal stuff, but the fact that you made his job that much more difficult is disrespectful to your own craft. So not only did he fuck up Chris on a personal level, but he fucked him up professionally and he made Chris make a decision. Uh, you know, I don't I'm know. not going to go do this. I'm not going to no. engage in this fight with you. And, and a lot of people fucking took Will's side, which is ridiculous to me, and made Chris out to be this bully. It's like, fuck you. He wasn't a bully. 
He was just fucking cracking jokes. I mean, I, I think the problem really stems with the marriage there. Like, of course, the, of course. Know, like, we we've all seen the first original uh, reaction was laughing at the joke. Exactly. He looked over and saw her roll her eyes and. Oh boy. <laughs> and it's like, why should we have to suffer because your fucking relationship sucks? Yeah, I mean it's. Uh... So I my question to you is: Do you think this guy who jumped on stage was a reflection of Will Smith or not? You know, I, I I don't know what his intention was. Like, I don't know if he hates Dave Chappelle. I don't he hates know Dave Chappelle. If his um, maybe he has a trans. What I was told is he was. I uh, hates Dave's culture. The culture that Dave that Dave's build, been building. I I mean he I said, would. He said something to that regards while he was <laughs> trying to yeah. feel his eye socket. Right. I mean, I would guess maybe as a trans sister or some, someone, uh, and that certainly uh, wouldn't justify the uh, assault, but uh, I think he got what was coming. Yeah. And whatever happens in terms of a prison term or fines is just the cherry on the top. Like, And, you know, like people people better understand that it's only going to get if it does get worse in clubs it's going to get worse for them because it's going to get more physical it's going to involve police and it's not going to be on your side you're the one that's going to get fucked over i so, mean uh i will say that what i love about the comedy store is their security staff yeah. are all pretty big dudes <laughs> uh, they all are familiar with some form of martial arts so, uh, but it, you know, I, I would swing first and, and ask questions later if someone yeah. got through the security, which, you know, when the main room is packed, it's 400 people. Like, they, it's a, there's a lot going on. It's probably like the Chappelle incident. You think, how, how could this guy get through security and on stage? But there's, you know, what, 10,000 people there that night? You can't stop everyone from doing something stupid. So, uh, my only question is, like, how the hell did he get that close? If you bought a ticket up that close, man, what a waste of money. That I know. Was. I mean, that's the Jewish uh, in me going, yeah. Jesus Christ. That's I know at the Holly. I saw, at least a couple of grand right there. I saw Billy Idol and Morrissey there, and uh, I took Adam Egan because he's yeah, a big yeah. Morrissey fan. I said, I'll take you to Morrissey because he's the one who passed me. I'm like, I can't help you out in the industry. <laughs> but I'll take it to Morrissey. But I'll take you both nights, but you have to watch Billy Idol. Um, and it's an odd. Did that pass? Or that, does that come in? That was uh, no. That was maybe two years ago. Aren't they coming back? Something. Like that? Uh, they're oddly enough friends. Right. I, I think uh, I saw them. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, Morrissey, was playing uh, this legendary venue in Irvine called Irvine Meadows, which right. is now condos. Yeah, it's like mind blowing to me. And she's like, "Hey, get down here fast!" I'm like, ah, I, "I'm not a Morrissey guy. I don't hate him. I just it's not my thing." No, no, he got sick. They're flying in Billy Idol. And so I, you've never seen a guy drive so fast. And it was Billy Idol playing to a Morrissey film. Oh, it's freaking sick. And he worked it. It was like seeing a white comic in a black room. Like, and wow. and do well. That's uh, amazing. So I think they become friends after that. And uh, so I paid for pretty much front row tickets. And uh, it, was, it was 
That was very kind of you. That guy. Uh, I'm waiting for that. That guy. Oh, I mean, well, it was supposed to be uh, this year, Billy Idol and Journey. Yeah. And then uh, I think Billy Idol had a sinus or something wrong. I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm amazed he's still alive. When, when you're a guy who did cocaine in the 80s and it's 2022, you're a survivor. Uh, Chris, this was amazing. This is great. Uh, Thank you for having me on. I appreciate no, it. No, I mean, I. Uh, I think the last time I saw you was at the Shane Doan roast. Yeah. And, uh, that's going to be on the channel. Oh, I, well, that's my shiny moment. And you'll get residuals from that. See, that's what I'm talking about. But, you know. Uh, that's been sitting around. It aired on NBC, like locally. Right? Right. Late night. And then you're like, okay, what else do we do with this? It's hilarious. It's fun. I don't give a shit that no one knows who Shane Doan is. Like, not, you know. Not enough people know who Shane Doan right. is. But the whole purpose of it is that it's hilarious. So let's put it on the air. Let's see what happens. Well. I forgot. I was, I was meant to tell you that. That was another thing I was going to tell you when I was here. That's going to air on. Because on that's my, I mean, in terms of something that's recorded, it's my shining moment. Like, in terms right. of, like, I don't. Yeah, uh, you did incredible. Yeah. But I mean, like, uh, like, I. I don't have a lot of stand-up on a tape like that, like right. in, in front of a packed room that's right. professionally, you know. Uh, yeah, we'll cut a part, small parts of it. Please Send do. it to you for social uh, Oh, believe me, I'm on it. Uh, I mean, but like I had Bonnie McFarland producing yeah. that. Yes, she directed And, yeah. and uh, Rick and Tammy. Yeah, uh, it was a big part of it, yeah. You know, were amazing and, and you know. It was, Joe Barnick was great. Uh, who's the Olympic goalie again? Lindsay something. Summer? The blonde it? girl. Yeah, she, she was fucking fantastic, man. Oh, no one really bombed. I uh, couldn't believe how well she did. And even LaRock, George LaRock. I think that just, female reporter bombed a little bit. Well, I think she was called in last minute. She so was. I'll cut her yeah, some yeah. slack. Coop, yeah. the black news Coop was guy. Great. Uh, yeah. uh, who, um, he's the Phoenix comic. I'm John. Uh, Turner, Michael Turner. Yes. Yeah. Of Alzheimer's. Uh, and uh, Shane Doan was funny. Yeah, like, Shane was uh, And I could see that. Maybe I shouldn't say this on the air because um, <clears throat> certain comics might steal the idea. I could see a, a sp sports like, roast as a series, right? Yeah, like uh, I know it because it, of Rick and Tammy's involvement. Uh, it was like, well, let's do Larry Fitzgerald next. Right, right. And he's kind of like a the black Shane Doan, like where he's one of the best at his position yeah. ever. But like, I don't know if he's tremendously well known. Like, he's not an Arizona Cardinals fan. Like, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't you don't know him all over the country unless you're a real super right. duper you know NFL fan. Like, you would know I don't know fucking Gretzky or something like that. Right. I mean, that and Gretzky is one of the very few. Maybe or obviously Jordan. Maybe uh, yeah, Bird. But like, wouldn't it be cool to roast Shane? Uh, wouldn't it be cool to roast Sean Avery? Oh, I, I, I want in. It'd be a lot of fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I see something like Comedy Central roast, but for athletes or yes. or, or maybe uh, weird celebrities. Like The strange part about hockey players, though, is like every hockey player would try to recruit, especially teammates, they were so scared of being mean to Shane. Oh, yeah. Because Shane to them was like, Oh, he's a Not, god in hockey. He's a god, captain, their leader, the whole thing. So a lot of the guys that originally said yes, I'm like, I'm so down to do this, backed out because they were like, I don't want to be mean to Shane. Can I ask who? Or are you? I mean, we're talking about half the Arizona team. 
said no. And that one guy, I forget his name, actually came to the show. Tyson Nash. Tyson Nash was supposed to be on panel that night. He was, he was, he was like the main guy. And then he just backed out last minute because he was so scared to fucking say something. And he's great. Like, if you watch uh, what happened the other, uh, not the other day, maybe two weeks ago, in a because he does the color for the Coyotes right, right. game. And uh, uh, Trevor Zegras uh, tried to do one of those Michigan goals again, <laughs> and he got creamed by the Coyotes, right. and then a brawl broke out. And uh, this guy by the name of Jay Beagle was... He crossed the line with what he did okay. to uh, one of the Ducks' better, younger players. Right. And Nash is like, that's what you get when you're trying to do the Michigan goal. Like, like he would have been amazing. He would have been, you know, and I saw his jokes. Because we had, a like, you know, we were having, you know, we had Bonnie and a couple of the writers helping out each panel member if they wanted it. Right. And we saw his joke. He was great. We, like, oh, you're good. Like, you know, we, I think we adjusted one or two punchlines. And he was set to go. Like, we were really excited about it. And then the day of, he comes to us and is like, you know, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. I mean, roasting, I don't think what he probably understood was, hey, you're going to be paying tribute to him at the end. Like, right. You know, yeah, you can say some mean Yeah, things. you're going to say some nice things. They're like, you know, dude, I'm, I'm, this is an honor being here. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's fine. You could do that at the end. It's like I did. I hammered yeah. him for like right. 10 minutes. Uh, I actually think I roasted Larock more. because Larock, your jokes on Larock were I couldn't Phenomenal. take my eyes off yes. him. Like he's so gigantic and nice, <laughs> but he's smiling and and. Uh, but at the end, I think I said I hated you as a player, Shane Doan, only because I I wish you were on the Kings. Right. So you wrap it up like that. Yeah. Uh, but I I I think there's something there with. So I think I think I think with other sports you might have more success rate in getting teammates. Right. Out. For right. Some reason I think hockey players are just too nice. I think they're too, uh, yeah, referential. Respectful. Like, uh, you know, because Shane Doan, like, do you guys listen, and girls, hopefully, although I'll guess my fan base is primarily male. Uh, he was a player who, he's such a good guy yeah. that he passed up being traded to a cup winner or to a potential right, just cup to winner. to stay in. Because he wanted his kids to stay in school in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And he, he didn't want his wife to. Uh, pick handle, up and move. handle motherhood alone right right, right. which she, she i met her she strikes me as a pretty strong woman yeah uh but he grabbed my hand before the bros he's a girl i've heard a lot of things about you <laughs> and he shook my hand he's like you say whatever you want about me but don't say one word about my daughters and i'm like no problem brother <laughs> did you have did you have jokes about his daughters? i didn't uh oh, well i knew there was going to be jokes about me dating young girls right. Of age, I'm. Some of my comedy comrades don't. Um, Who came after you the hardest? Was it Jimmy? I think. Uh, no, it was. I think Shane because he had. Uh, he's. A, he had some young. You know, girl jokes. Uh, but they were harmless. Like I didn't. You know. Well, this is great that we can talk about this, and now actually, people. Oh. People can look forward to seeing this. Right. So this you can awesome. uh, see my debut on uh, yeah. <laughs> Wits Comedy. The roast uh, of Shane Doan coming coming mid-June to Wits TV. I can't wait. I mean, I might actually turn a profit in this there business. There you go. Uh, but, Chris, where, do you want comics contacting you? Uh, I'm assuming. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm, never, I'm, I'm not the type of person who's not uh, approachable. But uh, if I can help you, I'll help you. If I, if I can't, I just can't. But I'll you're be honest the, with you. The co-owner. 
I am a cone. So there's three of us. Yeah. You, uh, I don't think comics uh, have some decorum when you reach out to Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Don't say, oh, Skakel told me. You can give me 20 spots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I did an open mic last week for the first time. Can I open up for Mark Norman? Uh, you know, don't don't be stupid. Let me, and also let me explain what happens to me if I so generously find the spot for you and put you up. And then you fucking just suck or bomb. Not only do I get every comedian coming up to me telling me, what the fuck was that? But also Patrick just ridicules me for months on end. So please, if you're asking for a spot, be ready and show me something so that I don't have to look as bad as I as I will if things go wrong. Yeah, I mean, and you know, not that Chris is putting the pressure on you. Everyone bombs once or twice. Sure, uh, sure. You know, uh, you can have an off night. Uh, Just give me a give me a taste of glimmer of something. But you know, even if the crowd's bad, yeah, I, I'm asking you more than it sounds sure. like I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> Say the crowd's bad one right. night for whatever reason, and and the comic is not doing well, but you can still see a good joke oh, even 100%, if it doesn't. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I've, you, I've seen many uh, comics bomb, and I go, "Dude, that one joke you had is phenomenal." I'm like, all right, for for example, I love Joe DeRosa. Oh, I'm a big seven fan. out of ten times he will bomb just because he's Joe. DeRosa. And you you never know what kind of night he's he's that's coming to him. If he's miserable that day, it's finished, and you can't help it. But I love watching him bomb. I love it. I think it's the greatest thing ever. He's got that Johnny Carson style, like when he bombs, he's better. Yes. Uh, And I know that doesn't make any sense. And then, like somebody, I've never run as fast as someone saying. Joe's bombing. <laughs> I'll oh. just run to go see it. He when we did uh we did a test season of Roast Battle in yeah. Montreal for the TV show. Right, right. Um and somehow he ended up battling Jimmy Carr. Oh. And Oh, that's right. I remember that. And I was doing the heckler thing even though they told me it couldn't be done on TV. But, right. And he's bombing. And Jimmy Carr, I guess, no replies because Joe just drops the roast. You're, just, you're you, doing it to yourself. I don't need to. I don't need to. I don't you need think to this is it. fucking easy battling this limey fuck? <laughs> I'm bombing my ass right now in front of the whole industry. Fuck you guys. I love it. And love it was uh, a great memory. Uh, Chris, where can my comedy friends hit you up for spots? <laughs> On Twitter, Instagram? Twitter, Instagram, Chris Italia, I think is is my uh handle on everything uh and if you're in new york the stand is yeah stop by it's the place to go there's a lot of options and you know chris won't say this but i will the stand treats comics the best like and i'm not as i call it palming right now it's just the way comics should be treated you you heard his idea for the comedy network I mean, does that sound like a scam for comics? I hope people don't see it that way. So it, it's got a all things comedy vibe in terms of yeah. it's for comics, by comics. Right. There's no bullshit in the middle. Um, so go to the stand. It, it's seven nights a week. Seven nights a week. Frantic on Mondays, hosted by That's the great show, yes. Aaron Berg. Yep. 
if there is ever a Kevin Brennan roast again, I want in. Okay, good. I don't care if I lose money on that one. Uh, the stand's just the best. So, uh, how do uh, what's your Twitter handle and all that good yeah, stuff? Yeah, Chris Italia on Twitter, and I think it's Chris C Italia on uh, Instagram. And no, no H in the name. What's uh, the stands? Uh, the stand NYC uh, on every, on everything. And uh, why don't you one last thing, comics? Uh, why don't you email Patrick Milligan directly and just tell him Earl sent you, even if you've never done comedy before. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I'll see you on the left coast sooner than later. Great.